Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. All right, I'm so glad that you're with me right now, and uh, we're going to get into our study as we are walking through the gospel of John, getting to know Jesus, getting to see him and see what he did, what he said, and uh, what he's about to do. Is I mean, as we get into chapter nineteen today, this is this is uh, the day. This is the day uh, where Jesus uh, gives his life on the cross. I mean, the most significant day in history. But today, we're getting into, as we say, we get into God's word to get it into our lives, to get it out of our lives, into the world around us, and uh, we are uh, we are looking at truly the trial of the ages. And uh, I don't know if you enjoy watching court TV, court dramas. Uh, we, we love, you know, there's certain uh, trials that just capture our, our attention. And we watch these legal shows. We watch movies. But this right here, I mean, this is the trial of Jesus. Jesus is put on trial. Uh, this is a dramatic picture here of compromise, really, both from, both from Pilate, as we look at what Pilate does, but also what the people do, and uh, we we see just the 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 contrast of the crowd that had cried out Hosanna, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, as he enters into Jerusalem, and now we're seeing them cry out, crucify him, crucify him, and we know the the crowd. If you follow the crowd, uh, the crowd just uh, has this mob mentality. And uh, so, so it, it was said, uh, Oliver Cromwell, who took the British throne from Charles I and established the Commonwealth, said this to a friend, said, did not trust to the cheering for those persons who shout as much uh, if you and I were going to be hanged. And so that's the, the psychology and the mentality of the mob and the crowd. And so we, we are not swayed by the opinions of the crowd. Instead, we're looking to God. We're looking to his word. And what we see here is Pilate is shuffling and moving Jesus back and forth to uh, his accusers, to the people. And so if you have your Bible, get out your Bible, get out some notes, and we're going to, uh, something to take notes with, we're going to get into this right now as we get into, and we're covering a lot of um, verses today, okay, but we're going to do it in the next uh, half hour. We're going to get through this. So John 18, 28 uh, says, this is where we're starting, John 18, 28. We're going to go through John 19, 15, but John 18, 28 says, then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. 
By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. Yes, much more important to eat the Passover than uh, the life of this person, and I say person with a capital P, a person, but Jesus, uh, God in the flesh, much more important that they didn't violate some uh, silly um, you know, rule that they had. Uh, Jesus' life was on the line, and Jesus was led into this judgment hall. It was early in the morning. The Jews didn't go in there because this hall was a, a court of the Gentiles, and uh, it was the Sabbath of the Passover, and if they'd gone in, they would have been uh, unclean, considered unclean ceremonially, um, and they wouldn't have been allowed to participate in the Passover. But again, that's a small thing in light of what was happening on this significant day, the life of God's own son. So it's, it's interesting when you stop and just pause, just begin with and think how many times do we see people arguing over uh, the, the small things, the things, the, the style, uh, styles of worship, uh, rituals and practices and rules and all of these things, forgetting what is most important, um, the, the big ideas like love and joy and peace and unity and, and mission um, and ministry. And so Jesus is taken in to see Pilate, who was the governor of Judea. He was, as the governor, he was directly responsible, answered to the emperor for the administrative and the financial uh, management or mismanagement of the country. And you had to be a skilled politician in order to work your way up through the ranks, both politically and militarily. And so he was, he did have these skills. He, he had held office for 10 years uh, now, when I say skilled politically, you know, that that's not necessarily a good thing because in order to have political skills, you basically have to politic. And um, if you know the, the, the definition of the word politics, uh, it's a poly from the word, uh, the Latin word meaning many and ticks meaning small blood sucking uh, insects. And so that's uh, the definition of politics, right? But so he was skilled uh, but but he was deeply trusted by the Roman government. He'd held his office for ten years. But um, but the the Jewish people uh, hated Pilate, and Pilate hated the people that he was supposed to be leading. He 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 hated their faith. He hated their religion. And so when he became the governor of Judea, he did two things that really cemented the people's bitter hatred of him for the rest of his his uh, career. First, when he would make his state visits to Jerusalem, he rode into the city with the Roman standard, which had uh, an eagle on top of a pole. And all the previous governors, out of respect to the, Jews, uh, the Jewish opposition to idols, didn't do that, but he's like, I'm just going to do it anyway. And then second, he launched this construction pro project of a new water supply for Jerusalem. And in order to finance this water supply, he took money out of the temple treasury, like the offerings that were to God. And so uh, they never forgot, they never forgave, and they were bitterly opposed to Pilate throughout his reign. And he 
was opposed to them. So that was the state of, of affairs. It was not a good political situation on either end. And on several occasions, the Jewish leaders threatened to exercise their right to report Pilate to the, to the emperor. And so Pilate, um, again, it was just this bitter cycle that was taking place through, through this. So this is the setting. But then in verse 2 and verse uh, 29 of chapter 18, it says, So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? <laughs> they didn't answer his question. Verse 30, If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed over him over to you. He's something. He's done something is basically what they're saying. Um, and it was a, a disrespectful accusation. They, these religious leaders were full of hatred. They were full of pride. They rejected Jesus. They hated Jesus. And they had already set themselves up to judge Jesus. And they just assumed their right to judge. And they were certain that their verdict and their judgment shouldn't be questioned. Hey, we've judged him. That's all that matters. And, and you know, people today, we're still judging Jesus. It's funny because it's, it's, it's ridiculous that we've got people who, even though they reject, they've already decided they hate Jesus, still they judge him and they decide that he's not worthy to be Lord and King of their lives. And so what we, we try to do, we push him away, we reject him, we don't want to have anything to do with him. And yet it still doesn't change the fact of who Jesus is, that Jesus came in order to love us, to love the world and save the world. And ultimately, it's not us who will be judging Jesus, but it's Jesus who judges rightfully our lives. But Pilate, he tried to dodge and duck his responsibility. And, um, you know, sometimes for us, we're called on to take a stand for Jesus. That's what we have to do. But a lot of us were so afraid that somebody's going to judge us or mock us or make fun of us or ridicule us or reject us. And we end up ducking out of our responsibility to stand up for Jesus. Um, the problem here was these religious leaders, their hearts were hard. Their hearts were closed already. They were already talking about crucifying Jesus, killing Jesus, and his punishment before they'd even had the trial. They'd already decided on the punishment before they had the trial. And um, these religious leaders, they rejected Jesus simply because they didn't want to listen to what he had to say. They didn't want to receive it. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want, because what would that mean? That would mean that if Jesus is who he says he is, that he rightfully has these, this call on our lives and these demands over our lives. But the only God most people want is the God of self. Um, we want to be God of our own lives. And, and Acts 28, 27 says that, for this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, this is good, and I would heal them. 
God is just waiting for people to open their hearts, their minds, their eyes, their ears to him. Why? Because he wants to save us. He wants to heal us. He wants to change our lives. Verse 31, Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law, but we have no right to execute anyone. They objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about what kind of death he was going to die. Um, so, so yeah, you're talking about the the death penalty, talking about capital punishment. Uh, the Jews had to force the room the Romans to crucify Jesus because they had rules; they weren't allowed to execute a criminal on Sabbath days or on the feast days. And uh, so, so they, they, God had to set this up. God had to set this up for the Romans to carry out the crucifixion, the execution of Jesus. From God's perspective, it had been prophesied that the Messiah was to be crucified. And so uh, the Romans had perfected the art of brutal crucifixion. And that's the way the Romans did it. So they had to, they had to carry this out. And God had to do this work so that the execution of Jesus would be by crucifixion. Um, But uh, make no mistake, it was their choice. It was their verdict. Now, verse 33, Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? That's a pretty good insight. Um, He showed that he already had knowledge of who Jesus is. But he's, you know, all people could see, all Pilate could see uh, was opposition politically. Um, and they didn't see the uh, the spiritual kingdom that Jesus was king over. And Jesus challenged Pilate <laughs> in verse 34. He said, is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did you talk to others about me? I love that question because that's, that's so great. Um, like Jesus said, did you think of that on your own? Did you come up with that by yourself? Surely somebody told you that uh, Jesus was challenging Pilate to own this issue himself. This was his decision and his choice that he had to make about Jesus. Uh, and as is every single person who is faced with the question of who is Jesus, uh, that's an individual personal decision, personal choice that you have to make, whether you're going to trust that he is who he says he is or not. Every person has to make this verdict on their own. And everyone now has a choice because Jesus' claim is that he is God in the flesh, that he's the savior of the world. And so we have to judge rightly. He either is or he's not. But people usually choose to follow the person with the power, with the fame, with the money over the person who has real love and truth and um, righteousness, uprightness of character and peace. That's not who our world looks to 
for leaders, they're hard to find. Uh, but that should be what we're looking for in a leader. And you look at who is famous, who's popular today. Look at the immorality of Hollywood. Look at the violence of the media. And you'll see that this is who we lift up in our culture. And so it's no wonder that our world has really never known a, a, a world of love and of peace and of real biblical godly justice because our problem is a heart issue and only Jesus can solve that heart issue. Verse 35, am I a Jew? Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? And him asking that question, am I a Jew? It reveals his hatred, his prejudice, uh, racism, uh, his, his uh, hate for the very people that he was responsible for leading. He just looked at them with such uh, disgust and disdain. And he asks, what have you done? Uh, he's also kind of a clueless leader. Like, he, doesn't he have people, doesn't he have somebody who can kind of debrief him about what's going on here? He's here to judge Jesus. He doesn't even know what Jesus is being charged with. And Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. So really important to understand, to know that Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Jesus' kingdom is, uh, is, is uh, a, a spiritual dimension of being. And so that reminded me of last week, um, there was a podcast called Trigonometry, and this extremely influential popular atheist philosopher by the name of Sam Harris. You may have heard of him. He went viral uh, for several reasons last week for some of his comments, um, but particularly when he was talking about heaven, that he doesn't believe in heaven, and uh, it just floored me and amazed me um, <laughs> of his argument and just how flimsy and how weak his argument against heaven was. So I want you to I want you to hear it for yourself. Here's here's what he said. Check this out. Where where is heaven exactly? Given that we have you know multiple uh, telescopes up there, you know, beaming back, you know, tens of billions of uh, of years worth of, of uh, information. Um, I'm amazed at the number of people who will bite the bullet on the core doctrine and say, yeah, I think Jesus is going to come back and raise the dead. So I'm amazed that this supposedly brilliant philosopher thinks that no one has ever dealt with that question before. No one has ever thought of that before. People much smarter than Sam Harris and much smarter than, than me uh, have dealt with this issue for centuries. He says, you know, something about telescopes beaming back information. I, I don't think that's exactly how that works, but I do know that you can't type in heaven into Google Maps and find directions there. This is 
where you find direction for uh, for how to get to heaven. No one has ever claimed, as far as I know, no no Christian, a credible, thoughtful Christian has ever claimed that you can take a spaceship to get to heaven. Jesus says that his kingdom, that heaven is in another place. Now, it's a real place, but it's not a place that you're going to find on a map. So Sam Harris, while you may have some good arguments, this definitely is one you need to file away. Uh, this is not one of your, your better arguments. People today, just like you know, back then and now, even today, people are still questioning who Jesus is. But even Sam Harris doesn't have the kind of authority that Pilate had back then. And here's what Pilate said in verse 37. He said, you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And there are several important claims that Jesus is making here. He says he was born into the world to be king. That's the reason he was born, but but also that he was understand that Jesus didn't start as a baby in Bethlehem. He existed before he was born. He was there at creation and he came out of heaven from the very presence of God. He is the truth. He came to testify to the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He revealed the truth to the world. And those who hear him, if we're on the side of truth, we're going to listen to what he has to say. And that's the side you want to be on. You want to be on the side of the truth. Now, the, the third questioning of Pilate was back to the people in verse 38. He asked the question, what is truth? Retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Right on. He's correct. No basis for a charge against him. But it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Barabbas was a rebel. And um, Pilate asked this question, what is truth? And people are asking the same question still today. What is truth? And you, you've got to know there's only one truth. There's only one brand of truth. There's not many different truths. There's one truth, and Jesus is the truth. Jesus is not a truth. Um, in fact, the question isn't, what is truth? A better question is, who is truth? Because truth isn't a philosophy. Truth is a person with a capital P. It's Jesus. But if you, if you aren't careful, you're going to miss the truth, just like Pilate missed the truth. And you see, Pilate was trying to clear Jesus' name and to declare him innocent. He was hoping to satisfy the people's bloodlust by giving them a real true criminal and a revolutionary in place of Jesus. But these religious leaders were determined 
to have Jesus killed. So they chose this person who was popular with the people uh, over the Prince of Peace, the Son of God. And today people still choose the path of power and fame and wealth and, and stuff and possessions. And we reject the path of peace because that would that means that we would have to sacrifice ourself and our our stuff. So as a result, we never, people never truly experience true peace apart from Jesus. And we we certainly don't experience world peace because the only way to experience world peace is to ultimately surrender to the prince of peace. But the people of the world rejected Pilate's offer uh, to put in a substitute for Jesus. And uh, God twisted the world's choice and instead made his son the ultimate substitute for us and even for those who were rejecting Jesus in this horrible scene. Jesus died for the sin of the world. And then Pilate moves back to Jesus. He had Jesus whipped in verse 1 of 19. Now we're in verse chapter 19. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The, the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Um, as Jesus was suffering, he was taking this punishment Understand, he was taking this punishment for you and for me. And they were mocking him. They were playing this cruel game where they were giving him this purple robe that was on his back after he had been flogged. Um, this was savage. He was beaten and he had this excruciating pain from being whipped with a cat of nine tails that was made of these leather straps with two small balls attached to the end of the strap. And the balls were made of sharp lead or sharp bones or spikes. And they would just, they would go into the back and they would, then they would, they, they would put it in his back in a way that would catch. And then they would rip, ripping his flesh. And his hands were tied to a post above his head and he was whipped in fact, they had a custom um, to whip the, the prisoner until they were near death. The law only allowed 40 lashes. In fact, there was a saying that said 40 lashes kills a man. Uh, this was based on Deuteronomy 25.3 that said, but the judge must not impose more than 40 lashes. If the guilty party is flogged more than that, your fellow Israelite will be degraded in your eyes. But understand this, they were trying to dehumanize Jesus, but you can't de Jesus faced this with dignity. He faced it with strength. You can't dehumanize Jesus. Um, and so this very, we continue to treat Jesus in this same cruel way because people continue to persecute, attack crudely and rudely, make fun of the name of Jesus and the person of Jesus and the word of God. And they do the same thing. They do the same thing to those who follow him. They do the same thing to his followers, to Christians today. Um, and so 
let's look at Pilate's fifth message that was back again to the people in, in verse four. Let's read verses four through seven. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for charge against him. Again, trying to release Jesus, trying to free Jesus. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. And the Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law. And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. And so what is their basis for crucifixion or for killing Jesus? They were not allowed capital punishment by their Roman conquerors, but according to Leviticus 24, 16, it says anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord is to be put to death. The entire assembly must stone them, whether foreigner or native born, when they blaspheme the name, they are put to death. So this ultimately is what Jesus was crucified for, that he claimed to be the son of God. Pilate, was offering a compromise. He was hoping that once they saw Jesus battered and bloody and and beaten, that they would uh, that that they would be satisfied, and that that they could then say, "Okay, enough is enough." But Jesus' way is not the way of comp- compromise. Um, you either have to declare Jesus innocent or guilty. Jesus was completely free of any sin. He was guilt-free. He was sin-free. But I will say this. The Jewish leaders were right in what they were saying that he said about himself. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God because that's the truth. He was and is the Son of God. Verse 8, when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Let's talk about his fear. Pilate was afraid. What was he afraid of? Who was Pilate afraid of? He was afraid of everybody. He wasn't secure in his job. He was trying to save his skin. He was trying to save his reputation. He had even been warned in a dream by his wife not to have anything to do with Jesus in Matthew 27, 19. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him a message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I've suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. And see, Paul, uh, Pilate was very superstitious also. And so when he heard Jesus claim to be a son of God or the son of God, he didn't understand who Jesus was. He thought maybe he was like half man, half God, some godlike being like you would read in the literature of that day. And he was afraid of condemning a God. Now listen, I, I will say, like, we should not be afraid of the uh, these superstitions, right? There are superstitions today. It's crazy. You know, people still follow astrology and fortune tellers. If they didn't, they wouldn't have such, um, there wouldn't be so many of them out there, right? Uh, we don't need to be afraid of those Things we need to be truly afraid in an honoring, uh, respectful sense 
of the one who can destroy both the body and the soul, which is what Jesus says in Matthew 10, 28. Uh, there's only one truth, and that is Jesus. So, so he asks, where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. He's wondering, are you some supernatural being? Verse 10, do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or crucify you? Power. He says, don't you realize I have the power? I'm powerful. Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. We see this biblical view of power. See, no one has power over you except the power that God allows. That includes your boss, uh, your school, your government, all of these entities, these governing, ruling entities, they would have no power except for what God uh, gives them. God is the ultimate power. And understand that the government authorities are not the ones who hold ultimate power. Power, real power, is in the hand of God, Romans 13.1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. I just want to encourage you and remind you, God is in control. You see the craziness? Just trust, remember, God's in control. Verse 12, from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. Pilate wanted to let Jesus go, and he had to make a, a decision. Would he choose rightly and choose Jesus, or would he, would he choose the way of the world? And they were threatening Pilate's job, so he was forced to choose, and tragically, he chose the wrong way. And you and I are also forced to make a decision. There's no not choosing. There's no sitting on the fence and saying, well, I don't know. Not saying I don't know is, is saying no to Jesus, right? So let's read these last verses in verses 13 through 15. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on a judge's seat at a place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. And so therefore he gave this verdict of crucifixion. This was a fatal choice. He was more afraid of the world and the world's powers than he was of God. And um, the people made the same uh, destructive, deadly choice. They chose the world. This was shocking because God is has been their God for centuries, the God of the Israelites. He was the sovereign Lord of their nation. And now at this very moment, they were rejecting um, God himself. And, um, you know, as just kind of closing in, looking at Pilate, let me just kind of land here of saying, Pilate could have chosen Jesus that day because Jesus is the kind of king that Pilate needed. He was a king that was not of this world. He was a truth. He is a truth-telling king. But Pilate was fearful Pilate was cynical. 
we live in a cynical age, and it's easy for us to be cynical as well. But even while Pilate was denying Jesus, Jesus was loving Pilate. He was uh, he was going to give his life um, for for those who were shouting crucify on that day, and for the world that rejected him. Jesus gave his life, and we're going to get into that next week. I, I'm looking forward to to that. But ultimately, as we land, they made they had a verdict. They chose a verdict, and their verdict uh, was wrong. They they judged wrongly. How do you judge today? What is your verdict on Jesus? Do you trust him? Do you receive him as your king? I hope you do. Uh, Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you in this moment, God, for the truth of your word. We ask that you drive it home into our lives today, that that it encourages us and it enables us to stand boldly and strongly Uh, against the crowd and against the mob mentality and to stand, even if we're standing alone, we know we stand together in Jesus' name. Thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you have a blessed rest of the week. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast. Connect.